From the Hub for Youth and Family Ministry, this is Hub Talk, a ministry podcast that is based on conversations with those in children's, youth, and family ministry. In this podcast, we will be tapping into the wisdom and experience of those who have a track record of faithful ministry. It is our sincere hope to edify, encourage, and equip you in your endeavor to be faithful in one of the most important areas of ministry in the church, ministries to families, all for the glory of God. Hey, welcome back to Hub Talk. We're your hosts, Jeremy Griswold and Kevin Hall, and we're excited to be back with you again. We've heard from so many of you that are uh, encouraged and equipped by this podcast, and we're uh, thankful that you will join us again for this uh, sixth episode as we're marching our way along towards eight episodes this season. Uh, this is the sixth one, and we have uh, Eric Bancroft on the show, and we're excited to have Eric with us. One of the things that I think about when I think of Eric is uh, when we served together at a camp called D3. And one of the things that I remember greatly about Eric is just this idea that, yes, he came in and he was a camp speaker and he was able to connect with students uh, really well. But one of the things that he did is able to take a group of youth leaders on a, a little bit of a youth leader training for the week. And it was just a an encouragement, always an encouragement to my soul as uh, I would just sit in and, and listen to what he had to say for, specifically for youth leaders and just in the the current state uh, of America and the current state of the church and how to think through issues, uh, really what he's talking about today, philosophy of ministry, uh, how to think through that in light of, of their ministries that they were in in their local churches. And I was always just thankful for his uh, compassion and and his love for these leaders that he didn't necessarily know, but wanted them to dive in uh, deeper to the word and, and their love for the Lord. And uh, Kevin, I know that you have a little bit of, of history with Eric as well. And, and why did you pick uh, Eric? What's your history with him? Yeah, well, Eric is a head pastor now, and uh, he is at Castleview Church there in Indianapolis, uh, but on his way to actually be be a part of a church plant in Miami, Florida. But uh, his background is youth ministry. Uh, we go back to Grace Community Church, which is uh, the church where John MacArthur is pastor. And uh, I was there for uh, over 10 years and about 10 years in the youth ministry as an intern. Uh, for about four of those years, and uh, it made an impact upon me. And then soon after I left, Eric showed up. Uh, but uh, there's a little overlap, and I just always appreciated Eric. Uh, his heart for the ministry, he's going to talk a little bit about what he gained during his time there, which was a lot. And uh, what uh, stands out is just he speaks with authority. Uh, there's a little, we were just even talking, some gravitas to what he's saying. And as a youth guy or a former youth guy, uh, it's just, it, it encourages my soul to hear that. Uh, he's dealing with truth, and I think sometimes uh, we uh, get away from that uh, just to, to kind of hit on the fun aspects of youth ministry, which is fine. Fun is good, and it develops discipleship relationships. But if the heart isn't the truth, we're going to be in trouble. And that's one of the things that Eric always is a constant reminder of. And I remember one story that my wife told. Uh, my wife was also at the church. That's where we met. And uh, before we had ever met, she was thinking about doing high school ministry, which is kind of a funny crossroads of sorts, even though we weren't there at the same time. And uh, she went while Eric was a youth pastor. 
pastor and she sat in uh, on a Sunday morning and she goes, this guy is, he's like speaking hardcore truth and he's not messing around. And yet I'm looking around and all the students are engaged. And she, it, she just came away, just thought, wow, that's just powerful. That was encouraging to her. And that's really Eric Bancroft uh, in a nutshell. With this interview, we had a few technical difficulties, but hopefully we're smoothing them out for you so uh, we get a good interview. And uh, also with that, Jeremy, there's a few things that I just want to kind of clarify as we're going into yeah, his probably, introduction. Probably be helpful. And uh, Eric was one of our speakers at, at camp, and uh, he uh, not only is a friend, but uh, this was his first time at Crossings, and so he's going to talk about some of the lunches. And at Crossings camp, uh, lunch is chaotic. Um, <laughs> we actually brought some headphones for my son, who's about one year old, uh, to go into lunch because it was just there's games happening. Uh, fortunately, breakfast and dinner are fairly quiet huh. for the most part for student ministries. Yeah. But uh, during lunch, they do all kinds of things. There's assassinations, and he's going to talk about assassinations <laughs> where you can assassinate somebody, and there's a whole game to be played around that, and there's certain rules about when you can and when you can't, and so he's going to mention that. So that's just a game uh, that we're playing at no, lunch there. No assassinations. No assassinations yeah. actually occurred, uh, literally. <laughs> and, uh, and then just riding the broom and a few other things that they do to the camp speakers there at uh, both our properties. So we hope you enjoy this interview. All right, uh, I'm here with Eric Bancroft. Uh, Eric uh, has not only been a friend, uh, we go back from ministry in California, but also just a speaker for us at Crossings. And Eric, uh, just as you uh, spoke for us this last summer, just out of curiosity, a question I've been asking the speakers that I've been interviewing is, how was your time? What stood out? Encouragements? And just even as you speak to just such a, a wide variety of churches, what do you see? What do you observe? Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for this opportunity to speak uh, and to share with you today. I also want to thank you for the opportunity to speak at Crossings. I did enjoy the opportunity. This year is my first opportunity to speak at Crossings. And I have to say, I was greatly encouraged at a number of levels. I think the hospitality was phenomenal. Um, I think the kind of the sweet fraternal nature of all the churches together. Um, they had their own identity and yet came together as sort of one group. It was like a shared experience. Um, I think the thing that stuck out to me the most though was the commitment of crossings to kind of maintain the sort of skeletal structure of the week through the consecutive morning exposition of a, of a section of scripture. In this case, Philippians was this year. And uh, that was meaningful to me because it sets the tone and the temperature that God's Word is going to set the agenda for the week. And that just helps frame up all the corresponding small groups, helps frame up the Sunday night sermons that are going to complement and accent that. Um, I think it sets up then uh, the conversations being rooted in the Word of God versus in differing personalities that will come through there, uh, differing uh, communication gifts that will come through there to say the Word of God is sort of getting the loudest voice throughout the week. So I, I had a great time, uh, loved some of the fun highlights for me. Was I, I was, was Because it was my first time at Crossings, I had to learn all the, the lunchtime uh, traditions. Um, when were the assassinations allowed? When were they not? Uh, I was even at one time invoked into this uh, exercise of running around the whole building with a broom and then coming through the hallway in between. So it was just an exciting time. So I, I loved it. Thank you again. Yeah, very good. We, it was good to have you. And yeah, thanks for your ministry. And uh, just as we're talking ministry, uh, I know I've known you just as a youth pastor for a long time. You're a head pastor now. But as you look back, uh, just... 
talk to us how God brought you to that point of, of becoming a youth pastor, but also just maybe what were some of the biggest things that stood out within your time in ministry uh, in ministering to youth? Sure. So I would say my, my kind of introduction into student ministry was as a college student. Um, it's probably not an uncommon pathway for other youth ministers um, in that it was the demographic that I was most like, but was not exactly like in age. Uh, I had just still wanted to serve in the church and uh, kind of introduced myself to the pastor at that time at the church I was at in Florida and at uh, First Baptist Church of Weston. And uh, that pastor, Dwight Moody, um, just took me under his wings and just taught me discipleship and taught me uh, about preaching and um, gave me different resp- administrative responsibilities. And then um, as I continued that, grew and enjoyed that, certainly was where I sort of had my first opportunities for teaching. I'm sure those were horrific, um, as I think probably most new sermons are for preachers. Later on, when I moved to California, uh, for the first couple of years while I was in seminary, at the Master's Seminary, I uh, pursued and was involved in adult ministry, but um, still had a proclivity and a desire to invest in young people's lives. Uh, just think my capacity to connect with youth culture and um, just probably young in personality and disposition um, so that so that I was asked upon on the eve of my graduation from seminary if I would stay on staff at Grace Community Church but now pivot into a pastoral role specifically in the student ministry as a high school pastor and um, I did that for six years and loved that opportunity because uh, at Grace Community Church I had a solid philosophy of ministry that didn't ask me to just be an entertainer didn't ask me to be a magician or a, or a clown, didn't ask me to be a babysitter. Uh, I was given the expectation and uh, provided the resources and the relationships uh, to be a pastor. And by that I mean a preacher and teacher of God's Word, a discipler, uh, a trainer of volunteers, uh, a counselor to families, and uh, over the years enjoyed that tremendously. And I think really honestly helped shape me into being the senior pastor um, that I transitioned into becoming in, in ways that I had I not gone through that opportunity before, I don't think I would have been as good of a pastor as I otherwise would have been. All right, I'm back with Eric Bancroft. Uh, we've had a few technical difficulties, but uh, Eric, we were talking just about uh, how you came to Grace, uh, and that just really helped in just thinking philosophy of ministry, uh, place of philosophy of ministry, the importance of that, and just the impact that this, that's had on you for ministry. Well, how would you talk about that? Sure. <clears throat> I think it's been my observation, uh, even during those, those early years, that churches are tempted under the banner and the mantra of outreach to do anything and everything they can to reach as many people as possible with the hopes that they'll lead those people to faith in Christ. The problem comes along the way that a lot of churches in that seemingly virtuous desire become profoundly pragmatic in their desire to do that and as a result do anything they can to win people and entertain people and get them to tell other people to come. And I think one of the easiest places to see this is in the area of youth ministry. In fact, I would say that a lot of times unhealthy youth ministries give birth to unhealthy churches because those graduating teenagers want more of that. 
and or it appears to be fruitful there. So how do we sort of move it up the food chain of the entire demographic and provide that for the church? What I was given an opportunity to do as a youth pastor was to do what the Bible calls pastors to do, to preach and teach, to shepherd and disciple, to counsel and lead, to pray with. And I found that to be such an an incredibly great time because it allowed me the opportunity to not have to have the ministry rise and fall on my creativity, my personality, or the immediate expectation within a few short years of the fruit. So what I found about youth ministry that was excellent because it was a part of a larger, healthier church was that I was going to preach the Word of God, I was going to pray for the people, I was going to shepherd them and care for them and love them, disciple anybody that would want to be discipled, evangelize anybody I could, and then just pray that God would produce the fruit of that and train others accordingly. What makes youth ministry a little unique in that sense is that a couple things. One, take for example the area of teaching. Your teaching is going to be ideally expositionally solid and could work in any context, but particularized through illustrations and application and implications to the demographic of teenagers. So in other words, you should tell a preacher, your sermon should work for the larger church if you just change up your illustrations in your application, because it should be exegetically sound. But you have to rewrite the whole message, and I think it's an audit on what's really going on in your, in your context there. Um, and then that just kind of sets the tone for what we're looking for. What does maturity look like in a teenager's life? What does maturity look like in that person's life? And so um, that also then kind of partners with, principally, with parents, We, as we would say, we are ideally not the meat and potatoes of ministry in the teenagers' lives. We should perhaps be at best the salt and pepper. Sometimes we just sort of make the meat and potatoes taste a little bit better, uh, but it's not because we're better. It's just because sometimes it just comes from a different voice, the same faithfulness that the mom and dad have been teaching and regularly been leading in and now we're trying to do ourselves to supplement that. Unfortunately, a lot of times parents operate off kind of a curbology mindset which is uh, this theology of curbology is basically we drop them off at the curb, you fix them, then we pick them up, they should be good to go. So parents can sometimes say, hey, we'll feed them, we'll make sure they get an education, we'll make sure they get athletic opportunities and some other hobbies, pursuits, but you take care of their spirituality. Um, And that's just unwise and really sinful for a parent to think that way if they're in Christ. So we really want to make sure we're partnering well with parents and understanding what their responsibility is and what our responsibility is together. Uh, if you could uh, talk to that youth pastor that's maybe listening, that uh, is maybe struggling through this, knows that what you're saying is true, but the difficulty now of almost going countercultural to what uh, they think and just providing that fun, but also just even letting that seep into the message. Uh, how can you encourage them to be expositional? It, it, it is a battle. I mean, it, it is hard work, and you got to put work in understanding the text in order to communicate that. But just yeah. maybe a couple of just uh, encouragements for that that person that's working through that. Sure, I would say for pastors to make sure that they spend their time with the people and with the passage. For me, the struggle was managing the myriads of expectations of parents. Um, Parents who believe that, and, and let me be clear, n- not all parents, I don't want to represent all parents in, the, in this comment, but 
at times parents within the subgroups of within the larger group of parents that I was interacting with. Some parents have believed because understandably they're parents of teenagers, and at that time I was not yet. Therefore, just by default, they're more qualified to know what their teenagers need in ministry than I do. And therefore feel entitled to sort of hold me to these sort of implicit, if not explicit expectations of how to do ministry. And then when I would not perform and produce according to what they would ask, they would sort of make their way to my superiors, if you will, be it elders in the church or the senior pastor or others as well, to bring these concerns up. Um, I would I would have that happen at times. And thankfully, I served on staff with like-minded, biblically sound brothers uh, who understood that philosophy of ministry does not change based on demographic. Uh, it can be done in application different ways, but based on demographics, whether we're doing children or teenagers or college or singles or widows or the whole church. Um, and so they would hear the concern and uh, let the parent know that they're being heard, but then assure them that what I'm being asked to do is actually what I'm doing and supported by the pastoral staff. Um, I think other challenges in ministry, which are not unique to student ministry, they're just common ministry overall, is to pour your life into others, thinking they're listening and getting it, and then watch them in the subsequent years completely switch on you and make some of the worst decisions that they could make in their life. Rejecting the gospel, pursuing profound immorality, having the consequences of those immorality bear fruit in their life, wreck relationships. And in that sense, I think it's another example of why pastoring is like parenting, spiritual Mm -hmm. parenting where you labor and you pray and you pursue and you try to in humility model before them, but they have to make those decisions for themselves. And some choose wisely uh, early and some do not. So I would say that that's another challenge in ministry is seeing those decisions being carried out in front of you. Mm. Um, But that's when you're reminded and being encouraged that you're not their savior you're not the Holy Spirit. God doesn't operate on your idealistic timeline of what He's going to do in those people's lives. And so you're patient with what God's doing and just trust them and trust them to the Lord. Uh, now as a head pastor, uh, you've got uh, kind of the whole church in view, but uh, as you think about student ministry, family ministry, which is a huge part of what you do as, as a church, a mm-hmm. uh, word of encouragement that you would just give to that person in the trenches right now that's within children's ministry, youth ministry. What would you say as a head pastor? Sure. Uh, my encouragement would be to uh, not not think that what they're doing is just part of the portfolio of that church's brochure hmm. to somehow provide goods and services to consumers that makes the church more warm and inviting for family units to be a part of it. But instead, be they young children or be they older teenagers, that they are planting seeds, in the words of Paul and Corinthians, with others perhaps coming behind and watering those seeds. If God is merciful, he will cause the growth. Mm -hmm. And so 
that they're responsible to make sure that they are providing godly content, biblically sound content, while simultaneously providing themselves and their leaders godly examples to emulate. And then praying for God to bless that work, trusting that he will. And, and I say that because I think sometimes, if we're not careful, we can give youth pastors these titles, pastors, but ask them to function more like facilitators, event managers. And maybe there's a conversation that needs to be had there with the, some of the staff at the church, the senior pastor or others, to clarify what is the role that's being asked of that person and if indeed it's confirmed it is to function as a pastor, as the person has been equipped or trained for or being well now resourced to do, then they should be liberated to be that pastor. As opposed to functioning more like a deacon in the facilitation of ministry, but not actually be able to do ministry themselves. Hmm. Because if all you're doing is planning the next youth event, camp, retreat, all of which are good, but that's all you do is you're an event planner, um, then I think personally you lose the joy in ministry. Um, however, to those people who do plan those things, those are great to plan as a wonderful ministry helpmate to the pastors who are facilitating that ministry through the delivering of the Word of God, the discipling, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, you need both, but sometimes there can be an identity crisis as to what the pastor is exactly being asked to do and mm-hmm. being held responsible for. Okay, very good. Uh, one thing that has been an enjoyment, we mentioned this uh, just as we were talking about doing this podcast, but uh, uh, what do you do with your own family? Uh, you, you have a church that you're ministering to, but uh, you also have a family that's obviously very important and even higher on that priority list in many ways of uh, what God's responsibility has given to you. What do you do with your family? How do you disciple uh, the, the family you have? Uh, how do you lead in that? And just even within ministry, how does that work itself out? Sure. Well, I, uh, for, the, for our listeners, I have three sons. Currently, they're age 17, 15, and 14. So I have three boys. Uh, they're known as the B-Boys. We're the Bancroft Five. Hmm. And uh, I would say over the years, it's been our practice to um, really incorporate all the various methods and resources available to us. So whether it's having times of prayer and scripture reading as a family, whether it's uh, doing, uh, you know, service projects as a family. Uh, right now, it's our practice, and this has been our practice on and off over the years since my son started riding with my in my car to school. And as a kindergartner, is that on the way to school we listen to the proverb for the day. So, mm-hmm. thirty-one chapters, thirty-one uh, days in the month, whatever the day of the month is, and then we'll have a quick talk about what sticks out to us—a proverb in that text. Um, as they continue to get older, I find dis- discipling your children. Uh, requires increasing creativity. So, for example, the formality of sitting down and having a meaningful conversation is certainly still in place, but we want to take advantage of drive times. We want to take advantage of learning to talk and think through the world around you. Um, So, for example, it might be learning how to talk about the day that our son had at school without something as simple as, how was your day, son? Hmm. A poorly asked question, should not be surprised when it gets a poorly responded answer. Fine. Hmm. Well, that's that's not a very good conversation. So we want to engage in kind of creative questions. Um, I also want them to be aware of the world. So it's not unlikely that we'll, for example, go to a movie as a family that touches on some, some sensitive issues. 
um, with the family or history issues that at the age that they're at, I think are age appropriate that we can then talk through and sort of think through those issues. Um, I subscribe to Voice of Martyrs magazine and that comes once a month and we'll read through that as a family and talk through that. Um, and then just a number of other areas that we want them to kind of think through as far as how to understand things. I would say as a overall, as a summary, as parents, it's our desire for our children to learn a lot of things, but if I could summarize it to three things before they leave our home, we want to teach them we want to teach them what wisdom is, which is the word of God. So that they understand how to make decisions in light of the word of God. Secondly, we want to teach them a fear and respect for authority, including with God who created them, the parents God has entrusted them to, the teachers and coaches and police that they live under in that society of citizens. And very importantly, we want to teach them the gospel because the gospel is how they get home when they make those decisions that are not honoring to God, that are not respectful to those in their life. So it's our desire to teach them. And we teach them a lot more than that. But we feel like by the time they leave our home, they need to have those things very clearly and deeply drilled into their hearts. What is the wisdom of God, which is the word of God? What is uh, a correct and proper understanding of fear and respect for authority? And then thirdly, what is the gospel? How do they understand the grace of God found in Jesus Christ, that God loves to save sinners, and that there's no place that they can go where God cannot reach them with with the hope of the gospel? We're thankful to have Eric on the show today, and we just want to talk through some of the the things that he discussed. And I think, Kevin, a question for us today, and maybe you could help us think through this a little bit, but what are some foundations uh, for a philosophy of ministry? You know, he used that phrase and talked through it a little bit, but but what would you give as some like bullet points for, for just some foundations for a uh, philosophy of ministry? Sure. Uh, last week we mentioned just the, the idea of theology often can be an intimidating word. Uh, philosophy is also yes. <laughs> an intimidating yes. word. What does that mean? And do I have a philosophy? And that's another thing that we all have, and it gets worked out in our lives. But a lot of times we haven't really thought through why we do what we do. And a philosophy really helps in that. I know uh, what uh, Eric's talking about is really giving somebody a vision for ministry, what, what backs it up, and it continually has to be the Word of God. Uh, some of the foundations that we learned back in the youth ministry at Grace Community Church was uh, in answering the question, why do we do what we do? What is the purpose of our ministry? And, and how do we accomplish that? But at the heart of that are, are some foundations. Uh, the number one foundation that we were taught, Eric would actually say the same thing, being taught in the same place, but the authority of God's word. That's mm. got to be the driver for everything you do, and that's got to be a part of everything you do. Uh, another foundation would be the supremacy of the glory of God. We were created to give God glory. That's what we were created for. We were created for Him. And if we're not doing that again, or that's not our goal, we're going to be in trouble. The centrality of the Son of God, Christ has to be at the center of all that we do. The gospel is the reason why we do what we do. Uh, The work of the Holy Spirit's got to be a part of your thinking and understanding that His work is effective and uh, we need his work in the life of people, in the lives of people, uh, because we're all sinners. That's another foundation that uh, the truth of Romans three—that there's none righteous, there's no not one, uh, there's none who seek after God—has uh, to be an aspect of, of this is 
in approaching ministry, this is what we need to understand. And so with that, we also need God's help because without God's help, that truth will not go out as it should. And so we need God to work on the hearts of uh, the folks, uh, whether it's youth, kids, uh, adults, uh, priority of the church is another foundation. The church is God's program. It's it's not plan B, it is plan A. And it's what he has us and called us to do. And it's one of the reasons why I love the church because God loves the church. And another one, uh, it seems a little bit out there, but it's good to have it, is the that Christ can come back at any point in time. Yeah. And so that kind of gives us uh, an immediacy for what we're doing. But all of that is based upon the authority of God's word. And I think that came out clearly in what Eric was was encouraging us. Again, with some pretty heavy words. Yeah. And especially when you're talking youth ministry, you think, wow, that's <laughs> can I do that? But we need to do that. We need to depend upon God's word. It needs to be the driver. Yeah, one of the quotes that I appreciate from Eric is God's word setting the agenda. And it's that idea that even in our own personal life, that when we get up in the morning and we're reading God's word, that's what's actually setting the pace of the day. That's Mm -hmm. what's uh, uh, reminding us of what the Lord's doing in our lives, whether that be uh, serving in our local churches or going to jobs or whatever day your day has for you. Uh, we we want to see the supremacy of God's word uh, in our lives. Which points to God, his beauty, which I think often we miss, a relationship to be had with him. Uh, these are the reasons why we're in ministry, because he's gotten a, he's grabbed a hold of our hearts. Mm. But we need to then give that same truth to the students that are in front of us. And I think so often, we go to gimmicks. It's easy to do, and we let that be the driver instead of the Word of God. We want to give you a, a resource that's able to uh, help point in this direction, and one of those uh, resources is... Uh, Gospel-Centered Youth Ministry, a practical guide. Uh, Cameron Cole and John Nielsen have put this together. Uh, Rooted Ministry is is a ministry that's close to our hearts. We love these guys, and we love what they're doing. Uh, This book encouraged me. It was many of the same foundations that I've been given with the Word of God and really what we need to do as uh, expositors of the Word of God. Again, another mm. some scary words there, and, and, and Eric talked about that. But again, letting the Word be the driver and, uh, and being always in the Word. Uh, this is a resource that talks about that, plus so many other things just about youth ministry, practical outworkings of a philosophy of ministry, too, on how you do that it is a very helpful resource. That's great. And you can get that in the show notes and you can get that at youthandfamilyhub.org and that's where you can go to get connected with us find our other resources that are on there and uh, if you want to connect with us uh, send us an email or or shoot us a twitter message we would love to get connected with you in that way and again you can find that on youthandfamilyhub.org Uh, Again, we're thankful to have Eric on the show uh, today, and uh, we're looking forward to next week. Uh, Tim and Sue Howard, uh, some good friends of mine, uh, folks that have been involved in kids ministry, family ministry, counseling, uh, so many different things. They're just a wealth of of ministry and background, I think, that you're going to be blessed by hearing. So uh, we look forward to uh, coming back at you next week. Hub for Youth and Family Ministries is an arm of Crossings Ministries, which exists to proclaim the gospel and to see God transform lives, grow leaders, and partner with the church to the glory of Christ. For more resources, visit us at youthandfamilyhub.org and follow us on social media at Youth Family Hub. Hub Talk is hosted and produced by Kevin Hall and Jeremy Griswold. Web support by Randall Breland. On behalf of the Hub crew, I'm Dave Hoffman, wishing you the best as you endeavor to be faithful in the
the ministry that God has given you.